0: This is ChaosCast, the Chaos Community Podcast, where we share use cases and experiences with measuring open source community health, elevating conversations about metrics, analytics and software from the community health analytics open-source software, or short, Chaos Project, to wherever you
1: like to listen. Welcome to this episode. This podcast is brought to you by your friends at Linode. Whether you're working on a personal project or managing your enterprise's infrastructure, Linode has the pricing, support, and scale you need to take your project to the next level. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com chaos.
0: On the panel today are Matt Broberg. Hey everybody. Don Foster.
2: Hello there.
0: And myself, Georg Link. Hi everyone. Our guests today are Venia Logan. Hello. And Dylan Marcy. Hello. My name is Georg Link, and I am a co-founder of the Chaos Project. I'm a co-lead of the governing board, a maintainer of several working groups. And in my regular job, I work at Bitergia.
1: And this is Matt Broberg. I work for Red Hat on the Open opensource.com projects, and I am now a maintainer of the value working group for the Chaos Project.
2: I'm Don Foster. I'm involved in the Chaos Project as a governing board member and maintainer for a couple of the working groups. I'm the open source community strategy lead at VMware.
0: So welcome everyone. We are going to... Today, talk about the social currency metric system. But before we get into the conversation with Venya and Dylan, we had a really interesting first episode last week. What kind of feedback and thoughts did we have from that?
1: I feel like we have that new podcast smell right now. So it's, it's feeling fresh. And I think we're starting to figure out our flow. So it's great to be back. It's great to have you leading with your booming voice as the introduction, Georg, it's super fun. And Don, <laughs> one thing I learned was just how I'm fascinated in how Don uses the Grimoire Lab and Chaos Project tools to like make a change in a large corporation. And I'm really interested in hearing more about her background and skills there. Yeah, I'm excited to be part of this panel.
2: Yeah, me too. I really enjoyed doing the last podcast. It was great to finally get that started. I know Georg's had it in the works for a really long time. So it was nice to be able to finally kind of realize his vision for for the podcast. And so I'm really looking forward to to doing more of these.
0: yeah, I was also I'm super excited. and the feedback that I've heard from people who listened to it was that they are looking forward to it. And I, I honestly kind of enjoyed the editing process as well, just listening to what our conversation was. So for today, We invited Vinya and Dylan. And just to give you a little background, Vinya and I met, was it two years
3: ago, last year? It was last year. Oh, geez. It was at Open Source Summit uh, in October. So I think a little under a year ago. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it was, yeah, uh, I think it was
3: October, the
0: Open Source Summit, North America in San Diego. And we were standing together at Juno Bacon's office hour and the topic of metrics came up and Vinya was sharing a really interesting idea, which will dive into the social currency metric system. And so why don't you and Dylan introduce yourselves, who who you are,
3: what you do and what brought you to chaos? Oh, geez, we already covered it. So I guess I will go first. We met at the open source summit, and we talked about metrics, but metrics haven't really been a part of my backstory, my history for very long. I actually started in the LGBT community as a community manager, and I had no idea what I was doing. The online communities in the LGBT world are kind of difficult. A lot of people are not out yet. They're looking for some help in order to come out. But because of that, there's this closet status and therefore this focus on privacy and security and anonymity on the net. So I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how to build communities that reliably tracked. so I could say, here's the number of people, but that didn't hurt them in any way. So I had to get creative. So I went back to school in order to learn how to run these online communities. And it was incredibly difficult for me to find a university that could cater to my desire to learn online community management.
1: That's super cool, Like, What does that look like to go back to school for that? Because I feel like I've been doing that type of work my whole career and I've yet to map that to a degree. So I'm like, tell me more. (laughs) Oh, it was difficult.
3: CSU spent a good six months trying to figure out where to put me. They were like, oh, that goes in marketing slash journalism. No, wait, maybe it's anthropology. So they decided to settle right in the middle. So I have a communications degree with a minor in anthropology and a specialization in online community management that has taken me around the world. I had to follow a specific community management academic, Erica Pearson, all the way to Wellington, New Zealand, where I did two bouts of studying abroad there. I don't necessarily recommend it. We're getting there. Online community management has become an economic role now. You can actually get it in brand communities. So hopefully we'll see it trickle into the universities as an actual path eventually. That is super interesting.
2: Yeah. And I was really interested by you know what you were talking about with, with privacy and being able to measure things in ways that you're really conscious of the individuals within the community and the effect that measuring certain things has. And so that's something that we've, we've talked about that a lot, at least within the diversity and inclusion working group within chaos. And it's something that I think more people should think about as they gather metrics. So it's not just sensitive communities. You have, you know, you will have members in your community that, you know, are more vulnerable than others. And it's important that we, that we think about ways that we can protect people while still gathering data that's useful for us.
3: Yeah, definitely. Honestly, RescueNet, this nonprofit that I built up, R E S C Q U dot net. It's kind of difficult to explain. When I had started it, I had no idea what I was doing at all. And we kind of had the traits around. And I'm happy to know that it's kind of its own thing now, but it was incredibly difficult to get people comfortable and lose that edge so that they feel comfortable self identifying themselves. But In university, this is probably kind of important. As a part of my anthropology degree, I took a class called Virtual Worlds. It was done by Professor Jeff Nodgrass at CSU, and that's actually where I met Dylan. Perfect transition. Dylan.
4: (laughs) All right. So where I come in here is from that more anthropological side of things. I don't have any I guess explicit experience in, in community management, although I've done a good amount of advocacy within the realm of, of disability and everything. I have a, a dwarfism that led to me getting involved in all of that, where I, I got a good a bit of I guess unofficial experience in, in leading communities and getting together groups, you know, helping to facilitate and, and lead these these kind of initiatives really. And so coming into here, I, I don't necessarily have a good grasp on everything from the community management standpoint, necessarily. That's where Venny is definitely the, the more experienced of us too. But what I do bring to the table is that more anthropological side of things is being able to kind of express what people want to to see out of something and, and figure out how to tell that story. So anthropologically, that's the entire goal of the discipline is to figure out how to make people's stories a little bit more accessible and a little bit more open to the general broader audience and that's kind of one of the big things we want to focus on with the social currency metric system is in a less invasive way helping people to tell their own stories and helping them to get that to community leaders without forcing them down these routes that may water down or sterilize kind of the story that they're trying to tell by having them take, you know, survey after survey or watch videos and, you know, click yes, no, as to whether or not you agree with it are big point here. And one of the things that, that I try to help, you know, do try to carry with me is this idea that people should be able to Access their community leaders in a way that is most convenient and going to be most efficient for them, kind of on their turn.
0: So, the two of you really share this anthropology, and which is how do we understand groups of communities? And my understanding is you developed this social currency metric system out of this desire to understand communities. Can you? Maybe share how how you came about to be developing what what was the the, the in initiation of the social currency metric system
3: Yeah, so first, the social currency metric system is a metric system that allows you to track a community social scientifically and after I graduated college, Dylan and I continued to talk. we uh, had meetings every wednesday and just met to hang out, play video games and stuff. And we talked a lot about frustrations involving industry. I had gone since graduating with this community management degree, I had gone into marketing to look at brand communities. And a vast majority of marketing is having this huge boom now in building brand communities underneath their companies. And the big age-old question that open source communities, non-organized communities, academia have been having for a while now, how do you measure community, has suddenly become a largely economic question that the business sectors now have to answer. And there has to be money put to the value of a community. but. As we were going through, a lot of these brand communities started coming up with this very creative, quantitative ways of measuring community. But most quantitative data is tracking behaviors that happen after the fact. So when you track someone across the internet using uh, UTM links or something along those lines, uh, Google Analytics is telling you, this is who hit this page. This is what they did before and after this page. And it's just tracking behavior. I was very frustrated, and I talked a lot to Dylan about this, about if we're going to be building communities for brand community sake, the community is a social structure. We should be adding in social scientific metrics. We should be studying those communities social scientifically. And that's kind of where the social currency metric system came about. Discussions about the way to simplify this solid understanding in anthropology and sociology and psychology of using qualitative data and deep description, grounded theory analysis, all these complicated concepts, and giving that to a community manager working on the ground in a daily basis, just trying to get metrics from week to week. How could we bridge that gap between qualitative data analysis which took time and effort it was difficult you had to be trained into being able to implement these analytic systems in a community on a weekly
4: basis it was uh, a problem that we've been discussing for you know weeks upon months I, I don't want to get into how many of our weekly work sessions went into, I would like to pretend it's more constructive than whining and complaining, but really for the first few months, <laughs> that's exactly what the uh, SCMS was, was us just generally being very upset about the state of community management. And we were sitting at my kitchen table with another friend of ours, Dylan, and Venia looks over at me and she's like, Dylan, me, not the other Dylan, but she's like, Dylan, let's do something about this. Like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Like, you know, it's the same thing that we've been saying for the past six months. It's like, no, 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 I'm serious. Like, let's let's pull together a framework and a proposal and and then it spiraled out of control and it led us to where we are now. So it's one person's crazy idea to just throw caution to the wind and, you know, like a, a dog with a bone, just go forward and see where it took us uh, has has brought us here.
2: I suspect that a lot of a lot of things come out of minor annoyances that we discuss for a long time and then finally decide to take action on. I think that's probably probably more common than what we want to admit.
1: You just yeah. explain why I'm part of the Chaos Project in general. <laughs> it's like a collection of minor annoyances, <laughs> measuring things in incorrectly or ineffectively, and trying to be better at it. Which leads me to a question for for both of you, either of you, on. So what does it look like to use SCMS? I I guess I'm I'm trying to get into the the tactical state of mind that I'm in. Like I try to justify my job, you know, not every day, like my job's pretty secure, but I think anyone that builds community needs to be thinking month over month, like, why are they paying me to do this? And how does that roll into metrics that that organization values, not what I personally value? And I find like that is the most common misalignment in people that love community. They love giving their energy to this group of people, but then they can't span that gap that you're talking about, Venia. So I wonder like, what does it look like to use SCMS and how do I do it?
4: (laughs) Without going too far into the weeds, the nice part about it is it's really supplemental to strategies that are already in place. It's essentially... A, a way to deepen your knowledge of what's going on in the community. It's not meant to entirely replace the strategies and the structures that, that you've already got going. You're not meant to throw everything else out and import this entirely brand new system. We'll, we'll get into a little bit more about what it means later, but essentially what this is is, it can be as simple as a couple of spreadsheets with comments from Facebook from a recent post that you want to to dig into and study a little bit more or entirely more complex than that. The, the nice thing about it is it's the scale of it is, is really up to you.
1: That's good. So you can scale it up and down based on your need. That sounds powerful as a starting principle.
4: Exactly.
3: So also not to get into the weeds, but a little bit of background. The social currency metric system tracks qualitative data in the form of Uh, user sentiment. So anyone on your community or even in a purely public channel like social media is giving you a comment. They're writing that comment because they want you to read it. It's this aspect of social listening. It's a social contract. social contract can then be used as data in order to port it into the SCMS and then say, okay, so what is the sentiment? What are they saying here? And by creating a tag, you're able to say, all right, so that's what they're saying. Is there a pattern? Is there emphasis here? And by tracking it week over week over week, you just spend one hour every Friday just before your normal, regularly scheduled analytics meeting um, saying, okay, what are the trends? And it's just like Google Analytics. You set it up, you install it, but it's really this pattern that you put into your weekly process going over these comments in a more objective manner and saying if there's a pattern we're going to track this over the next several weeks and if that pattern is strong enough we'll start to see it come up again and again and again and suddenly subjective comments become objective data
0: so i would like to go into the weeds here a little bit and what what is this sentiment what is these comments that we're talking about is this Issue comments in open source, issue trackers, are these commit messages? Are we talking about the emails or Slack messages or IRC? What what is this qualitative data?
4: So the answer to that question is yes, pretty much. It's (laughs) a pretty versatile system that wherever people are talking to you, obviously when you're talking community management, the word Track has these these connotations to it that we're not meaning to to put forward, but you can essentially track the gist of what people are trying to tell you by importing comments and messages from wherever people are, are talking to you into the social currency metric system databases. So it, it doesn't. I'm not going to say it doesn't matter where people are talking to you because obviously each of these channels has their own their own context and their own their own purpose, but what matters more is worrying more about what they're saying and less about where they're saying it. So that's kind of what we're what we're trying to bring to the to the table here is this way to while taking into consideration that, hey, you know, this is from Twitter. Maybe it's a bit more casual, not as serious a critique as it might be if, you know, you're you're reading a seven paragraph response on Facebook is a bad example, but, you know, it allows... A a little, list. Exactly. Something like that. You can take that into consideration, absolutely, but that kind of stops being the end-all be-all when you can see all of the data in a sense where you can really categorize what they're trying to say more so than where they're saying it.
3: And one of the biggest issues with tracking qualitative data in industry as it stands is industry finds it not as useful primarily because there's no way to objectify it. It takes too much time and too much effort in order to track it. It's very difficult for people to trust that data. And there are a lot of biases that people know. Spiral of silence bias, which is essentially as people continue through a community, if they're not being listened to, they start to distrust that they will be listened to in the future. So they become quieter and quieter. Their comments start to disintegrate. social currency metric system allows you to solve those problems. It simplifies these ethereal concepts taken from anthropology, sociology, and psychology, puts it into a system that makes qualitative data viable in businesses from week to week. But more importantly, it also provides a little bit of a helping hand, a small infrastructure in the form of some very easy dashboards based off of social capital theory and social currency theory. So this includes transparency, utility, consistency, merit, trust, and all of that kind of comes together and breaks down this concept, this ethereal understanding of reputation and what you're garnering in your community. By using those metrics now, once you've abstracted all your qualitative data, you have a dashboard where you can literally say, These people believe our product is useful. It has utility, but they don't know much about the organization. The transparency is low. What can we do about that? And the system also gives you ideas. You can look at your high utility metric and your low transparency metric and say, okay, so our product is really useful, but they don't know enough about the people making the product. Let's publish a full campaign of behind-the-scenes making of this system and highlight the community members that are making the thing. And then you'll see over weeks over weeks, once you've built that, you can now say, I'm going to be using my utility metric in order to raise my transparency metric.
2: That's absolutely fascinating. Um- I'm curious, in the in the spirit of Georg's di- diving down into the weeds, I'm curious what role sentiment analysis plays or doesn't play into this whole system.
0: That's a good question because sentiment analysis is something that from day one of chaos, we have heard about this. And people uh, ask us as chaos, well, isn't there a way to analyze what people are writing? And so, yes, we need to
1: them- talk about because No one's sarcastic on the internet, so it's easy to analyze.
2: <laughs> I, actually, I actually I actually structured <laughs> my PhD in part so that I could avoid doing any kind of sentiment analysis because it's super hard. So I'm curious what you guys are doing with it.
4: So the the power of of sentiment, like we, we've mentioned a little bit. First off, I want to point out how wonderfully the the prior question kind of pointed out how Venia and I approach this topic somewhat differently. I'm over here. Um so I, I often joke that, that my degree is I'm a certified hippie. I enjoy talking with people. I enjoy seeing how they think, how they feel, and relating that in a way that's useful. Venya is already on plan Z with every conceivable alternative covered. Those abilities to both plan ahead and go with the flow in the moment are um, one of the reasons this works so well. It's talking about something like sentiment analysis. It's this really mercurial kind of ethereal concept. But this plan of turning essentially qualitative data into kind of these, these quantitative representations on, on dashboards, that's, that's the power of the SCMS is we get to take, you know, oh, we have 70% of our user base is saying, hey, they really like our products, uh, you know, as Venu was saying, but they don't know who we are. How do we fix that? And it's sentiment analysis is incredibly difficult to do because, not like you were saying, sarcasm on the internet. How how can you tell when someone is being serious versus when they're having a laugh at you? How can you tell when they are commenting something in good faith and not just trying to start an argument or you know uh, uh, another company trying to make you look bad? How? How do you do this all? I don't want to take up you know, the entire answer to this conversation, so I will leave the answer to Venya.
3: There's a really, really popular conception in marketing, a very popular statement called truth is in the trend, power is in the pattern. When someone is being sarcastic, that sentiment is going to be very difficult for a machine to really learn without a lot of samples. Humans are no different. When a human hears sarcasm, we have the capability to understand it, with practice and understanding of the context of the community or the context of that statement. Content is king. By all means, the actual comment is really important. But the important thing to recognize is that context is queen. There is a royal family here. So if we spend time understanding the royal family, understanding those communities, what surrounds it, and we start to amass enough data Suddenly, we're not trying to dive so deep into what a person is saying, what a few people are saying, but now what a mass of people are saying. Trends start to come up. uh, Patterns start to build. And suddenly, you as a human are capable of saying, there's something here. We should continue to track this for a while. We have a hypothesis. Let's go test it. So... I coined this term, you're not going to find it on Google Scholar or anything like that, but I promise the concept that this term comes from uh, has been around since Margaret Mead. The rule of generalization is this addition to the traditional scientific method that you're familiar with that was used in order to make social science possible. And missing the rule of generalization is often why a lot of people look at social science and go, hmm, is this really going to work it doesn't match the scientific method a lot of these other issues come up because of it in social science there's this concept of a concept applies to b population only so far as c limitation i've noticed this thing happen in this population but it only seems to happen here is it happening elsewhere and that c limitation is the most important part of the rule because if you don't have that, then your data, it's useless, it's pointless. And that's what a lot of people don't understand is you're creating a boundary. And then through your consistent use of research in academia, you are pushing that boundary to figure out where it generalizes, where there's this cultural universal, and where it doesn't apply. The social currency metric system kind of brings this really big research project concept to a community manager sitting on the ground saying, okay, what is the state of my community? What projects are going to be most useful in my community strategy? And what tactics do I need to implement to get there? And what's going to happen next week? So the social currency metric system takes this big structure and boils it down into a simple system that you can use to tag qualitative data, find patterns, decide there's something there, and track
1: it. So I heard along the way dashboards, which is one of our favorite words on this podcast. I'm sure it's going to be if we're going to make a bingo card of the the pod, it will definitely be uh, adjacent to the center, very essential. So as you're talking about this, I'm curious does the dashboard we're talking about dashboards are these like a choose your own adventure dashboard? Like I'm going to implement my own and use my own technology to do so and like the this conversation is about a structure that we can use to think about the data? Or is it also like a tool chain, like a, a set of dashboards that are predefined?
3: Awesome question. So there's a part of the social currency metric system that I would say is more important than the data itself. And that might sound sacrilegious from a qualitative data analysis kind
1: of point. <laughs> Shun the non-believer.
3: <laughs> there's this second part called a codex. And... Anthropologists, Dylan no can probably elaborate on the use of a code they essentially use it like uh, dimensions and metrics are used in Google Analytics. Uh, they're essentially the ways that we choose to tag data, what it means, and more importantly, what it doesn't mean. We use the rule of generalization to define what we mean when we tag a term. And those tags are going to be different in every community. We actually, for one of the tests for the social currency metric system, we were looking at a forum, budget-like forums, um, just pulling in data, doing some cursory analysis, going from there. And on different threads of that individual forum, we kept finding completely different patterns because the topics of discussion were different, but the underlying thoughts about the creators of that thread or the way that the community was running kept coming up over and over and over again. We found things separating around political lines. We found a whole bunch of different things that complicate the system a lot. So we knew that using the codex, we needed to provide a way to both simplify a dashboard so that the information is objective and general enough, but also allows you to change those tags to match the community. So the Codex became the most important part because it allows you to take this general dashboard, the social currency metrics systems five main metrics, and apply them to any community you want.
4: So that what you means by by Codex diving a little more into what what that means. Your Codex is essentially a If you're thinking of this unified language that a community speaks kind of forms itself over time, what this codex is, is a guide to translating it to cracking the code, kind of. Really, anything can go in here. It can be as simple as a single word or phrase that doesn't mean what it means in the wider world, or an entire phrase or a sentence that comes up quite often, kind of like a motto or a mantra. Essentially, the goal of this codex here, it's to take what people are saying, break it down into these core components, and this is what we've been going into this entire time, translating what those components mean, essentially, to the world at large. So this this codex, it sounds really big, really scary, really intimidating. All it is, is a way to make sure that Really, you're speaking to community members in their own language and tracking what's important to them sentiment-wise.
1: Oh, This is really fascinating to hear the very thoughtful academic history that inspires and and builds a a valid framework. And I'm trying to span the validity and curiosity of this to the kind of mythologically goofy world of day-to-day corporate America, where... I like if I'm a developer relations professional at either a large or medium sized corporation, and I'm trying to have a one on one with my executive sponsor, and I say, you know, here's some really interesting metric and framework to learn in order to understand the value of our community. Like, I just can't help but feel like that would fall on deaf ears when they're like, well, are our GitHub stars going up? Or, have any of these people ended up becoming customers because that's what i think community should mean so i'm trying to i'm trying to position this in my head like how would i use this to continue to justify my job if i'm if i'm in one of those tougher situations where my boss doesn't totally know the value of community and i'd like to use this valid framework to help justify it but on its own it might be a little too complex yeah
3: i mean that boils down to the very purpose of the social currency metric system like we were very frustrated about a lot of CEOs and executive companies not looking at communities social scientifically they were trying to take a scientific process and apply it to a social structure and the scms kind of bridges that gap if you were a community manager a marketer an influencer on youtube devrel a marketing analyst You would be able to install this system, port in that data, and then spend an hour a week before an analytics meeting, just going through and tagging it. And in doing this, you have now fulfilled your social contract of social listening. When people post a comment, they want you to read it. So you've done that. You've tagged it. And then you've said, this was interesting. This was also interesting. I didn't know about this. Maybe this is worth exploring." you've created a keyword and you go into that meeting and you say, Hey, I think I found this is like a trend in the conversations, but I'm not sure. And I might be a little bit biased. Can we produce a keyword in the codex that tracks this concept to see over the next few weeks if it keeps coming in? And if it does keep coming in, maybe there's something there and there's something we can do about it. So a few weeks later... You say, okay, so it sounds like this is more pertaining to our payment system than our product or service specifically. We're going to look at this tag specifically in the payment system and figure out, are people stuck here? You can go to your Google Analytics, you can go to your quantitative data, and you can say, all right, is there a hole in the funnel? What's going on technologically? And you can now use the social currency metric system in complements to augment your quantitative data and say, there's some hangups here. People aren't liking our payment system. They think it's uh, slow or arduous or takes too much time, or they're worried about credit card transactions. And then you can say, based off of that data, we have these comments coming in about our billing system. We've tracked over the past three weeks, this problem about trusting the credit card data. Let's create a campaign that says, We are certified by Stripe. And that should increase both our utility and our merit. That increase in utility and merit will be trackable. And we should see that utility and merit stay increased when we filter our social currency metric system data down to credit transactions. That will tell us that this project that we're implementing right now, after a few weeks of tracking this, Works next week.
1: Okay, it clicked. It's like you're providing more cause and effect to complement the quali- uh, the quantitative data that's easier to gather, but is devoid of like wh- the why uh, right. and the who is being affected. And I love that. And you're also turning it into quantitative over time because you're seeing this trend uh, by category and co- based on the codex. I, th- right. I had my aha moment. Thank you.
3: Exactly, and the. I hate to say this, but the magic of this system, I hate saying the magic of, but I also want to get the point. You are using what people say, what they feel, and their opinions that they are directly telling you to produce this data. So when you go to a CEO, now the conversation isn't, we think that this metric plus this metric divided by this metric is leading to this conversion rate. You're now saying, This is what people are saying about X. You can now say, using the rule of generalization, I think this is happening in this population because of this restriction. We're going to go test C now. We're going to go test this limitation to figure out if it generalizes to a larger problem.
4: The nice part about this too is if that's not doing the trick, you can say, hey, 1,500 people are saying that if they saw this in our program, they'd buy it. And so it, it does give you this really good, kind of nuanced take on these these groups and these communities, and essentially tracking this the sentiment in this way. But there's also this sledgehammer-based approach that you can find as well. And like I said, at all the malleability of the social currency metric system. The, the cool thing about it, my favorite part about this, is it is just as meant. For you who needs a sledgehammer approach, as it is for someone who needs something a little bit more subtle and a little bit more tactical. So it's it, it really is kind of this. I hate saying one size fits all solution because that inherently has has problems where it it won't necessarily fit in all situations as as good as it can in its you know ideal form. But it, it really does have a place no matter where you're trying to put it. There is no situation I can think of where trying to hear what your community base has to say could ever go wrong.
0: So I think we could continue talking for a long time. This is super interesting. And the last question just to round this off is the social currency metric system is a chaos metric. So maybe maybe we can cover the last uh, few minutes here how did it get from you have this very frustrated situation talking about we need to do something to now you have a metric in the chaos project what was that process for you
3: magic sheer magic <laughs> so, <laughs> it was a whirlwind it started at open source in san diego and I met Georg. A few weeks later, I was meeting people on Patergia. A few weeks later after that, we were on chaos community meetings, basically showing this metric off in a simple implementation in an Airtable spreadsheet. And after that, we went into this surprisingly rigorous, very grounded, really, really respectful structure for building a metric. It really put us through our pieces. And I don't know about Dylan at least, I can't necessarily speak for him, but it caused this way of thinking that I think is uniquely chaos. I just love the way that you build your metrics, focusing first on what is the end goal, what's the purpose. When this isn't a dashboard, you want people to be able to glance at it and know that a question has been answered, not that a metric is there, but a question has been answered. And then there's also this focus on, all right, so that question's been answered. How are we going to answer the next five questions? Doing that using the definition of the metric, how that metric displays itself, what behaviors you can track. And with the social currency metric system specifically, what opinions and what problems with what opinions matter can be rooted out of the system. It was really wonderful and very scientific in my opinion.
4: So this might be a little bit overly simplistic, but chaos is kind of my natural state. I don't do anything according to rhyme or reason. So of course, the opportunity to pair up with the chaos project, as soon as we saw that, it's like it was, it was meant to be from the get. go. But in all seriousness, it, it really did. It, it was kind of this, this perfect storm where everything just kind of fell together at the, the right time. We had enough of a deliverable product to to impress someone apparently and we got to be where we are today just through a lot of really we we, we owe a lot of where we are now to to georg actually who has been incredibly kind and incredibly courteous with the time that he has donated to us so we have really him to thank for for where we are now and helping us out to essentially facilitate some of these these meetings and help other people kind of hear what we have to say
3: I cannot sing enough praise for the involvement that chaos has had and how much you've put toward the social currency metric system and making it a possible metric for community managers and DevOps and people in communities on the ground. Thank you so much for that. Well, thank
0: you for coming up with the original idea and embracing the process. I know you, (laughs) I remember those sessions where we, what was it? A 20 page document describing what we wanted to do with the social currency metric system and then boiling it down into what is now in the chaos metric definition. There's a lot of work that went into this. And yeah, I, I'm super excited that we now have this. And I hope the listeners will check this out.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm pretty excited to actually see it available for free. On chaos, so you can implement it. All it takes is a few spreadsheets. You might be done in half an hour.
4: We've actually uh, got a video going on about if you're if you're interested, go ahead and check it out. so It's a uh, socially constructed online walkthrough. If you're interested in seeing the system kind of in action, we we've got a few tricks, tips, and tutorials that should be hitting the web page here pretty soon.
3: So where where can people find you online? Yeah, socially constructed do our website name. We're very focused on community management and communication strategies, anthropology. So, it makes sense that our website would show that. If
4: you want to find us personally? I know uh, Venya has um, a, a very good LinkedIn page and Twitter that would absolutely be worth following. My personal Facebook is not entirely professional. I'm looking at getting my uh, LinkedIn and a Twitter. Feet of my own up to scratch. So once those are are live, you can find those on uh, Socially Constructed as well.
0: Excellent. So let's round off this podcast by highlighting things that have brought value and joy to our lives. Our picks for this week. I'm gonna go first. I have. I, I'm. I bought an aquarium uh, as the lockdown was happening, and so I've enjoyed just. Watching the plants grow and I'm looking forward to adding fish into the aquarium this week. So that's just uh, what has been bringing a lot of joy to me
1: these weeks. Very good. I've got uh, one that's maybe similar. No, not the same vibe. I'm going to give a plug for video games. I I haven't been gaming too much pre-quarantine because i was getting into like a good gym routine and like going rock climbing quite a bit and with that shutting down and i've been doing some online classes but like i just hit a wall last week where i'm like i just needed something that's like good old fashioned joy and i was a gamer growing up so uh, i booted up a playstation i played a ridiculous game that threw me into medieval greece whereas uh fighting as a spartan or an athenian and it was a blast and I just want to give a plug for people doing whatever brings them a little joy and a little calm in uh, this unprecedented time.
0: I can second that. I've
3: also
2: been playing more video games again.
3: (laughs) Final Fantasy
2: VII Remake. So excited. The thing that brings me joy right now is our balcony. So I, I moved into my partner's flat over three years ago. And in that entire time, the balcony has been filled with so much crap that you can barely stand on it, much less do anything. And we, by we, I mean he actually cleaned all of the stuff off of it and bought some chairs. And it's been really fantastic. We spent a bunch of time on it on the weekend to the point where we both got a little bit sunburned because we didn't think about the fact that we were indeed outside in the sun in the UK and maybe we should have put on some sun cream. But it's been yeah, it's been great. It's it was totally worth all the work to just like clean it off and scrub it down and get it to the point where we could actually use it as a balcony since here in the UK, we're we're pretty locked down. We're not allowed to go out much. So a little fresh air has been great.
1: Also props to rediscovering places you forgot are in your home. Like I have completely found that to be fun as well. You're like, maybe I should clean this. And lo and behold, there's a whole other room or, or space.
3: <laughs> I know,
1: Joe, yesterday
3: found a bike path in my neighborhood I never knew
1: existed. That's amazing. That's great. So, how about you, Venia? What have you been up to?
3: Honestly, with recent things happening in the world, there's been this extra focus in online communities, and I thought it would be fitting. My revelation over the course of the, best, the past few weeks has been looking at community management. A lot of us view communities as a beehive, and there's either being the bear as a marketer and going in and saying, hey, we have this thing, or being a flower hey, we have this resource node. Would you like it? Would you like us to help putting that value there? And I've been trying to view it that way and be the flower in more areas of my life than just community.
4: So for my pick, I hope you are not anticipating anything as poetic and beautiful as that concept was because I'm a simple man with simple pleasures. Uh, (laughs) But no, my... What I'm grateful for is there's a a saying that comes to mind that I got from one of my favorite songs, actually. This too shall pass. And especially this mid April day in the midst of a global pandemic, things are a little bit uncertain for us all, especially being in the position I am. I mentioned my dwarfism earlier, it's left me in that at risk community. So, this whole thing has been incredibly disconcerting this past month and the potential for this to go on for many more months. So, just the the thought, you know, between rounds of video games, that this isn't this isn't forever. We'll all get through this. That's what's been keeping me sane. That and this awesome quarantine beard I'm rocking. It's a good beard. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I bailed on mine pretty quickly. <laughs> well, Venia, Dylan, thank you so much for being guests on our show. It was. Absolutely amazing to hear uh, more about your work and the history of the metrics that you work on. I'm certainly going to take a a look and try to get them implemented myself. For others listening, really recommend looking at sociallyconstructed.online to see more of their work and also yeah, check out our show notes, we'll have more information there. But if you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe to us on whatever thing catches your pods. We really appreciate you being a listener. And if you have any comments for any of us, send it to Don, Jörg, or myself. And with that, we're out. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. It was wonderful. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Linode with 11 data centers worldwide, including their newest data center in Sydney, Australia, their enterprise grade hardware, S3 compatible storage options, and next generation network, Linode delivers the performance you expect at a price that you don't. Get started on Linode today by going to linode.com chaos.